Welcome to On the Couches. We're so excited that you're here. Man, do we have a conversation for you today. Listen, it means the world to us that you're checking us out. It means the world to us that you're listening. We would love for you to do a couple things. One, would you engage with us? We would love to hear comments. If we say something in here that stirs up a question, put it in the comic box. If you're if you're listening on podcasts, we always want to encourage you. You're more than welcome to email one of us uh, at our emails here at the church at wearemovement.ca. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your comments, and just for you to be part of our community. The other thing we'd love for you to do is share this. We really believe that what we're talking about has the ability to help people on their journeys with God and towards God, and we'd love for you to be part of that culture of just sharing what we're doing and, and who we are. Now, this is On the Couches where we take these ideas of the Bible and the concept of the Bible, this archaic, old, ancient book, and then find how it actually applies to today's world and how it makes sense in our world. And I'm super excited. Today, we're talking about this conversation called Women in Ministry. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I've had a little bit of an awakening over the last few months on this conversation. I actually had assumed, being a male, uh, that things were not as bad as what they are. And in fact, I had just taken for granted I'm part of the Pentecostal Slams of Canada. We have an affirming statement about women in leadership. We uh, ordain women in leadership. We have women as lead pastors. Uh, you know, so I had just kind of assumed that this was like a, a done argument. And a couple of months ago, a, a big thing blew up about Beth Moore and her being a preacher and being a woman in leadership and uh, some very influential leaders uh, on the internet really came out hard against her. And I was like blown away that this was still a conversation. Right. When you put it on the, on the docket for on the couches for an episode, I was like, we're talking about this? We need, right. to, we need to talk about this? I thought this was like put to bed five years ago. Like, are you serious? 100%. I, I literally thought that was the case. Like, this doesn't even make sense. And I watched the reaction of the online community to Beth Moore, and Beth Moore ended up walking away from her denomination or her fellowship, and I was shocked. And then I started doing research to see, like, yeah, like, what is the, like, is this still a conversation? Um, I was extremely ignorant to it. And I just typed into Google, uh, can women be pastors? And the first several pages of the Google search was no. It was hardcore, like, publications from, like, magazines that I would assume would have been pro. Like, uh, you got to go to Yahoo Answers for that kind of stuff. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Right? Like, I was, I was shocked. I was like, this cannot still be the mindset sure. of people. And so that put me on a trajectory of wanting to talk to people, right? So here at, at Movement Church... We would assume that we are are empowering to to women, right? We've, Maybe we'll see how the conversation goes. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like this, my eyes have been open. Like I would have assumed three, four months ago that we were a very positive, pro female environment, uh, very safe female environment, and an empowering female environment. You know, my wife is on staff. She's a one of the leads here in our organization. She uh, she communicates every couple of months, probably uh, two or three times a year. Not on Mother's Day is the only time, right? Just the like, week before Mother's Day. Right, yeah. Right, but so like she communicates two or three times a year. She preaches. She does a lot of the devotionals and stuff we do. We've had women on our board. Our treasurer is, mm -hmm. is a female right Shannon. now. Uh, we've got multiple women on staff. So I, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, like this isn't even an issue. And then I started mm -hmm. really digging into it and talking to some of uh, other people inside the fellowship or people I have friends with who are females uh, and found out that maybe it's not as good as, maybe even movement church sure. isn't as good as what I thought movement mm. church was. Maybe our, 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 we still are stuck 
in having to overcome some it's things. A pulse in check. Let's have a pulse check. So we're gonna have a conversation today, and so obviously Slater is here with Usual. us. Old right? news, old news. Um, he's gonna be our our uh, antagonist. That's become my niche That's in these like, conversations. Yeah. You're you're just, just to poke holes, yeah. ask tough questions, yeah. bu bug you on this couch, whenever exactly. you jump me on this couch. Let's go. That's great. Um, but we kind of sat around as a staff, and we're like, well, we can't have like our regular crew, John and John and myself. Talking about women in leadership because sure. that's a very sexist viewpoint of all of us men saying, "Yeah, we, we, there's not an issue." If people are going to claim that you're ignorant, there's nothing worse than having three men sit in a room talking about women in leadership. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. Uh, so what we've done is we've actually I've just been talking to a bunch of friends, and so we've got a guest with us that I'm super honored, super excited to have part of the conversation. Her name is Rachel. Rachel is part of our uh, fellowship, a large family. She's actually a credentialed minister. She is studying her Master's of Divinity. So she's she's learning theology at a way more accelerated rate than, than I've got. Mm -hmm. um, and she's also a nurse and and she's been in ministry, uh, served in, in the church and, and doing stuff. We're on amazing campus ministries. Uh, also grew up in a church that was against women in leadership. So that's where her history came out of. And so we've been having a lot of great conversations, just her and I talking back and forth, and thought it would be great to open the conversation up here and, uh, and just kind of have, a, like you said, a pulse check, a heart check, a motivation check. Mm. And really, my goal in today's conversation is to bring all of you who are listening in on the journey of what Movement Church can do better to really empower female in leadership. And I, and I want to start off with that. We should welcome Rachel. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Producer Isaiah, throw some stuff in there. Come on, somebody. Right. Um, but I want to start off the conversation saying my heartbeat as the lead pastor of Movement Church is that this is a place uh, where both male and female can be empowered to be fully who God has called them to be. Uh, whether that be a lead pastor, whether that be a ministry leader, a worship leader, a kids leader, a lead pastor, board member, community activist, what, whatever that is, we don't want there to be a division of, of sex being the thing that, that would ever hold anybody back. And we want to try to portray that. And so, Rachel, thanks so much for being yeah, with us. Thanks, thanks for, for being on the couches. Uh, wow. How does it feel to feel the weight of like you are the spokesperson for every female right yeah, now? No um, I'm going to leave. Yeah, yeah 100%. Go. <laughs> yeah, it's overwhelming, and that's not the expectation. Yeah. <laughs> but I do feel... As a young leader, right? Mm -hmm. You're you're a young leader in our organization. You're part of Movement Church, so Shut you're up. this is a safe place. Mm -hmm. um, and you're a young leader in our fellowship, mm -hmm. right? Uh, which is Pentecostal Times of Canada. You're a young leader there, rising up. Uh, there's a gift and a calling of God on your life. I want to affirm that. Like I, I have seen that sitting in the sidelines of watching your life. Go, man. There's no doubt about your calling and and who you are. And and you're at Movement for a season. We'll see what that turns into if you end up <laughs> pastoring somewhere or maybe running a campus for us. But either way. Um, <laughs> wow. Little plug. Jehovah's sneaky in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's how it works, right? Leaders leak. Um, it's called a rabbit trail. Right? <laughs> but um, just talk to us, yeah. right? Like, there's not a pressure to be the voice person, but I, I want to learn and I want to grow. Like I said, I felt like we were doing good. And even the mm -hmm. conversation you and I had once, you're like, yeah, but... <laughs> What does that really look like for women in yeah. leadership for you? Well, I'll just tell you a little bit of my story because I feel like it gives a little bit of context to where I'm coming from and where I'm at now. So I grew up in 
pretty much every denomination someone can grow up in. I moved every two years till I was 15. So I was raised in Alberta and the southern United States for the most part. And so there's definitely differences of opinions with wherever you go. Different denominations hold different stances, particularly on women in ministry. I had no desire to be in ministry when I was a kid. Literally didn't cross my mind, um, but I loved church. Um, I grew up in churches that had um, strong leadership, but I didn't really see any girls in leadership ever. It wasn't until I was 22 years old that I saw a woman preaching for the first time on a big stage. And I remember going home and being like, wait, we can do that? Like, I literally had no clue because I had never seen a woman preach on a stage that wasn't Mother's Day, that wasn't Valentine's Day, something like this. Because women, token well, well, women share, they don't preach. So uh -huh. they were sharing. Yes. They were sharing on those days. And so I, I remember going home and being like, whoa, like, this is a, a big deal. I was in university at the time. And I was leading a campus ministry, a, a, a campus club, I should say. And um, I kind of was getting my ministry itch from leading this club. I was doing way more with this club than I was with nursing school. I passed nursing school. We're okay. I'm an, I'm an, I'm an adequate nurse, but, you know. Wow. Um, but I was, doing, <laughs> I was doing way more with ministry than I was with nursing. And I graduated nursing school, and I had graduated out of this club, out of, out of um, leading this, this club. And I, I felt this like... Can we pause for that? Yeah. That club grew substantially. It in did. So, so I was a part of this key leadership team. I was president of it at the, at the time. And we saw an incredible move of God at this university where we, we had um, put on this worship event that we expected maybe 25 people to come to. And we had over 1,000 people come to this event. And then it continued on even till today. We, it's, it's grown so much that um, they've, like, they blow out the building every, every year. So we saw this incredible move of God. We saw so many people come to faith over the over the years, and um, you know there was never never a question of can I can or can I cannot do this because I was president of a club. I wasn't a pastor, so it wasn't there was no question about this. No one ever questioned my leadership. No one ever questioned. I didn't question my leadership, and at the time I didn't believe in women in ministry. So <laughs> that, that's important to know that I was definitely somebody who believed that women cannot be a pastor when I was in university. I held strong to that opinion, and I would often meet with pastors over coffee to argue with them when they believed that women could be in ministry. So I need to put that out there. And so I graduated from university, and I, I felt this like pull towards this ministry that I was doing. I was like, wow, I still want to teach the word of God. I still want to like walk alongside people in faith, but I'm struggling with this theology that I grew up hearing from the pulpit that women cannot preach. Women cannot be in ministry and that there are certain places that they just cannot occupy. And I really wrestled with this. And I, I met with different key leaders and I was like, can you tell me like, where in the Bible does it say that I can preach, that I can be in women in ministry. And every time they would say, well, you just have to know that you know. And I was like, that's just not good enough for me. <laughs> like, you have to show me in the word of God where it tells me that I can preach the word of God, where I can be in senior leadership and da 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 And no one could really tell me. And so I went on this journey by myself. And I remember being on night shift one night. And it got to the point where I, I couldn't sleep anymore. I felt God was waking me up at four in the morning. And I, I just had, was in these like cold sweats because I just felt this like deep pull to something I felt was theologically wrong. And so I was like, okay, God, if you want this to happen, you got to show me in your word because I'm not going to do anything that's going to contradict your word. 
And so I remember being on night shift one night and I opened up my Bible and I was like, okay, God, show me. And you, you know, you do the classic, like flip open and you're like, oh, and, and it didn't work. But, <laughs> um, but I remember being right, brought right back to the great commission in, in Matthew 28 that tells all people to go to preach and make disciples and to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I had this like awakening mm. that it was like, whoa, Jesus told that to men women and children to go and preach the gospel and to baptize. And I'm like, if that is not being a minister of the gospel, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. And so somewhere along the, along the line, we put being a pastor on this pedestal that it's only for the most holy, only for the most perfect. And anybody who doesn't meet that standard cannot be in that position, including women. And I had this, this like revelation that was like, Whoa, God, are you calling me to be a pastor? And at the time, I was given the opportunity to plant a church. And so I went to the pastor and I said, I'm not called to be an admin assistant. I'm called to be a pastor. And he was like, whoa. And I was like, yeah, I know. I'm as surprised as you are. Like, I didn't think that this is going to be for my life. Mm. And so that kind of set me on the trajectory of being a pastor. And, and that's when I really dove into the word of God of, about, okay, what does it actually say about women in ministry? And I realized is that I had been failed growing up, and even I failed myself too, I'll take responsibility, about looking at the women in the Bible and looking, what does, what does Jesus actually say about women? What do those verses by Paul actually mean? Yeah. What are the context of those verses? And I, was, and I realized that to say you just, you just have to know isn't good enough. We have to be able to show in the word of God where it is affirming of women in ministry in Old Testament and New Testament and, and showing that, hey, this is a theologically sound argument that women can occupy places of senior leadership and do it really, really well. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, you know, I have lots of compassion for people who disagree with me because I was like, I was you for 23 years. I (laughs) totally get it. Like Mm -hmm. if the worst thing you could say about someone is that they're trying to uphold the integrity of the word of God, that's not the worst thing that can be said. So you're like, Hey, let's just look at this together. Right. You have some really great points. Let's look at what the word of God actually says. Look at, let's look at the original translation. If you want to go to the Greek, I'm happy to go to the Greek with you. Like, mm-hmm. sure. But I think we have to look at those theologically sound arguments. So that brings me here today where I'm like, hey, I believe in women in ministry. I believe I'm called to ministry. And I'm, I, I believe I'm called to, to show, hey, this is where in the word of God, it, it mm-hmm. affirms and really champions women more than I think people realize, like mm-hmm. Old and New Testament. So sure. Do you want to highlight some of those just real quick? Yeah. So, so even, okay, we'll start at the Old Testament because people are like, women are not affirmed in the Old Testament. Oh. Yes, they are. So you look at Deborah, Deborah's amazing judge who like not only had a, a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a military stance. She was also a spiritual leader and that people affirmed her. They followed her. There was no question. This is a woman of profound leadership, both spiritual and military. And like God really affirmed and upholded her. So that's an Old Testament um, example. You can go, you can look at that. That was amazing. New Testament, you look at people like... um, Mary. Okay. Sure. People would just think you're like, Oh, she was the, the mother of Jesus. Yeah. But Mary's also the first person that Jesus showed himself to after the resurrection said, go and tell what you have seen. And yeah. if that isn't preaching, I don't know what is it, going and telling what you've seen, what you know. And you're like, Jesus trusted women with that message. The very, very first ones he showed himself to. The very, the very first, first ones. He reveals himself to is women. He said, now go and tell, go like, it's so powerful 
that he he knew them by name, he called yeah. them out, he empowered them to go. Like like it's mind blowing to me. I'm like, okay, like we have to. I mean, theology would talk about law of first occurrence. Here is Jesus' resurrected body, the very first people that he chooses to reveal himself to say, go and be empowered to serve. Mm-hmm. We're saying, no, 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 that doesn't count. But can you imagine the disciples going to Mary and be like, oh, but you're a woman, so like don't don't tell others what Jesus told you. Because you're a girl, so it doesn't matter as much, right? But but that's what we're saying, really, really yeah. mm-hmm. is that you can't hold the same gifts. And also, if it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us for ministry, does the Holy Spirit work differently in me than it does in you? <laughs> no. No, because if gender, if gender really matters in this conversation, then that's saying that it's actually by your power that you're empowered for ministry, not by the Holy Spirit. But it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us for ministry. And if the same power that lives in me lives in you, then why does it matter if I'm a girl? Yep. If it's the Holy Spirit working through me, then why does it matter that I'm a girl? Mm-hmm. It doesn't. How do you deal with the Paul uh, epistles? The epistles. So I think I look at the context, yep. right? I think there's a huge cultural context to what we, what we see about Paul. Paul was not against women in ministry. Nope. Let's talk about Lydia, okay? So Lydia ran a freaking church in her house. And where does Paul go to? Lydia's house. So you're like, okay. So if Paul was really against women, and he ministry, talked about women prophesying, he talked about women teaching. Like he, mm-hmm. he actually addresses that that was all so, happening. When we talk about women staying silent in the church, and mm-hmm. you know the First Corinthian verse that everyone talks about. Okay, if you want to read a couple verses down, you see that he's also talking about men shouldn't cut their hair, they shouldn't do all these other things. That they should only worship with their their heart, their arms outstretched. So why do we why do we say that in the same that that's cultural? But that's not. Yep. When actually, before this time, women were, were, were put into a separate room during church. But now, Paul's asking everyone to stay in the same room. And these women are calling out because they've never, they've never been in the same room before. And they're calling out and asking questions. And he's literally just like, yo, like, be quiet. Like, we're trying, to have a, yep. we're trying to have a church here. And so it wasn't saying, be quiet. You may never speak in, in church. You may never be a leader. It's no, just like, like chill out, like, like yeah. relax. Well, and if you have questions, ask them at home. Yeah, it's being disrupted. This whole, being the whole teaching was around the idea of order inside the exactly. church, right? And so he's he's looking at it through that lens. And then, like you said, what we've done is we've taken a cultural thing yeah. and use it. Now, have you? I'm assuming you have, but looked at the verse that you know, women should not teach a man. Like he he specifically says that. Mm-hmm. Why does he say that? Well, I I think again, context is key. Mm-hmm. I think that one. Um, women didn't have the same education as men back in the day. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. and so I think that's, a, that's a key verse. I think also, um, you just look at, well, uh, I think a big one, if, if you look at the context of where that was written and, and what was taking place was that was, uh, there was a church, a, a, a secular or the culture in the day was there was this religion that was Gnosticism. all about, yeah, well, it was all about going and sleeping with the prostitutes. Yep as an act of worship, the prostitutes were females. So the, the actual priests of this religion were females, and they used sexuality as their way to be worshipped. Yeah. And in that context, for that culture, for that environment, Paul's saying, no, 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 no. In this environment, women shouldn't be leaders because it's too close to what this is. Absolutely. Right? And there's too much culture built in there. Yeah. And, and it was a, again, I think, personally, it's my theology, it says that it was a specific time, specific place, specific culture, because these books are written to people. Absolutely. Like, they're not written, like the, although we use them as the universal Bible, mm-hmm. the universal for the church, they were written for a time and space to a specific people to address specific issues that were taking place. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want to read more about this Gnosticism that you're talking about, I've 
dare you go read about it. Cause you're right. He, Paul is talking to a specific church at a specific time, but you, you look at the life of Paul, mm-hmm. you look at, you know, how many women that he hung out with and even going to Priscilla and Aquila's yep. house. Right. And Priscilla's name is first for a reason. Cause she was the main teacher in that house. So again, if Paul really believes that women shouldn't preach, women should be silent, why is he going to all these women's houses? Why is he spending time with them, being taught by them? Like, it doesn't make sense if that isn't a cultural verse. So I think we, we have to not neglect parts of the Bible. We can't just pick and choose what we want, but we have to look at it in context, in the entire context of the book, why a book is written, to who it's written, and why it was written. Yep. Yeah, so. I love the cultural context of Scripture because when you look at it inside of the culture of when it was written and when Jesus was alive and then even in the Old Testament, when you actually look at the at the Bible, it's an incredibly liberating document for Absolutely. women. Absolutely. Right? Culturally, looking at where women were in their status and in, in their worth and their value and how they were treated, even the way that Jesus is speaking to women mm-hmm. is liberating. Right? You're like you're like, And the woman he spoke to. Sure. And Absolutely. you're reading in the 21st century and you're like, yeah, what about it? But mm-hmm. like when you're living in that moment where women are literally property that are basically bought and traded, that you know they're not really considered people or persons, and unfortunately, like we're we're actually just emerging from that now within the last hundred years as a society and as a culture where like you know within the last hundred years women got the right to vote and to own property and things like that, right? Um, I think the kudos to you would be that it's important to have the conversation about interpreting scripture around it because mm-hmm. what we're dealing with is we're dealing with a marginalized gender inside of the church. We're dealing with discrimination that's 100%. genuinely taking place. So it's so easy for emotions to get the better of us, to get really caught up in, not actually have like an intelligent conversation about it and actually look and dive into scripture and actually ask the hard questions. I mean, you're, you're tossing her some soft blobs. That's all I'm saying. Like, yeah. You're, well, you're yeah. giving her so, the easy ones well, and you're answering questions for her a little And I want to be... Because for me, I remember being in Bible college and I wrote sure. one of my papers on on this and, and since then have been very, what I had interpreted, mm-hmm. pro-female in leadership. Like I, sure. I had kind of had this conviction that, mm-hmm. that we need to teach properly. I've had, uh, you know, one of my very first people that I worked with in our youth department was Melissa. Uh, her name is Melissa McLaren now. She was Melissa Ron back Whoa, then. Oh, shout right? out right? McLaren, like, Stratford, let's go <laughs> Right, like, yeah. Like, and so like she, like she was on staff with me. Her and I ran the youth department at two different mm-hmm. churches. We worked at two churches together uh, as youth pastors. Um, you know, and so like, I was like, yeah, like I've got these females in positions and thought like, like I was very pro and, and as a, so, so I mean, theology wise, I'm like, yeah, there's, I, I'll go to toe with somebody. Are you saying there's going to be a scandal where there's a paper that you wrote in 1998 that's going to come out? <laughs> no, like it's, it would be very pro female leadership. There you go. I love it. Um, no Driscoll. But oh, through having, through having, what? <laughs> okay. Just wow. your past coming to haunt uh, you. Yeah. That's, that's where I'm going with um, that. It's good. Moving but on. then... As of recent, been wrestling with have I lied to myself in the sense of thinking because I had a certain way because we do certain things, is there is there actually blind spots mm-hmm. that I'm not seeing? Have I convinced myself that I, that we as a church are better than what we what I what what sure. we are? And what are the blind spots that I need to see? And that's mm-hmm. actually like where, but we have to talk to theology because people are already commenting, oh, this was verse, you know, like they'll, they'll throw it out. You're shocked me though when you're telling your story is I, I didn't know where you came from denominationally. Mm-hmm. And so you're shocking me when you're saying that for the first 20 some odd years of your life, you actually, as a woman, mm-hmm. believed and were vocal about women very, not being in leadership. Very vocal. Which is 
that's crazy to me because I think people automatically assume that every woman is like, fight for the right, let's go, we should be in leadership, (laughs) as opposed to, like, genuinely, your interpretation of scripture as taught to you and as you read and Mm -hmm. was that women had no place in preaching ministry, that women had no place in, and you're actually on this journey, which I think makes your story and this interpretation so much more valuable, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think people automatically assume that, well, men are the oppressors, and we're the ones that would say, like, no, that's not a thing, and you're going you're gonna to call that cultural context? I don't think so. Let's right. read it word for word. Right. And, and women are constantly in this struggle asking for. And so I love that. I really appreciate that. Okay. That's good perspective. So I want to get into, into it. Okay. So, so, you know, POC is yeah. a, a, has an affirming stance on women in ministry. Yeah. But from, like, that's one thing. Yeah. And this is what I'm learning, right? Is It's one thing to say, to have the right words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to say, yeah, like, we can say we're affirming mm-hmm. I- about women in leadership. Um, but then talk to me about, like, I think you were throwing before, uh, we went on air, you were talking about some stats yeah. that yeah, it's, we're affirming, but what does that actually play yeah, out sure. in actuality? Yeah. So to affirm is to one thing is one thing. And then putting systems in place that, uh, empower women, uh, is a different thing. So mm-hmm. for example, 66% of the church in North America is women and 9% of senior leadership is women. Hmm. Wow. So you're like, okay, the majority of the church congregations mm-hmm. are made up of women, but only nine to twelve. I'll give it to twelve. Sure. To twelve percent. Yeah, okay. You know, just Ooh. the three percent margin. Is is women in senior leadership. And what are we defining as senior leadership? We'll say we'll say executive pastors, senior pastors. Sure. Somebody okay. that actually has a decent amount of authority. Who can preach who can preach and, and give like spiritual direction to the sure. church. Sure. Wow. Okay, wow. so it's nine to twelve percent. So there we see this great disparity, mm-hmm. right? Of of you know, population and then leadership. And you ask yourself the question, okay, why? Yeah. Why is there this great disparity? Do I believe that it's because men are just oppressing women and, you know, that they just don't want them in leadership? No, I I don't think that's the right approach either. But I do Mm -hmm. think that there are systems in place, you know, whether it's cultural or not, that, that don't enable women to take a seat at the table all the time. So for example, you know, I'll use my story. Um, I remember when I was having my credential interview with um, like the POC, I was in a room full of nine people and they asked me, they're like off the record, like how is your experience in the POC? Like as far as women in ministry. And I was like, honestly, it's been okay, but look around the room. And, Mm. and they're like, they looked around the room and they were all men over the age of 40. And I was like, this is how it feels (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) Like, I was like, it's not bad. Like, I don't feel like you're oppressing me. I actually feel like you're trying to find ways to empower me, but it it just feels sometimes a little bit lonely. Like being the only woman in a room full of nine other dudes, you, you realize Mm. that you're the only woman in that room. I mean, at least you said the median age of 40. I think mine was like (laughs) 60 for sure. Yeah. No. And, and they're really well-meaning guys and all these kinds of things. So it wasn't until like, like I said until I was 22 that I saw a woman on stage, right? And I think part of that is, is that I didn't know that that was the thing. When I was in when I was in youth group, I grew up in youth groups. Um, I definitely have had giftings. I was I could speak, I could worship lead, all these kinds of things. And that's not to like you know put me on blast. It was like I Humble know bread. I had, I just I knew I had these giftings from a young age, but no one called them out in me. I I remember. Um, like having a gift of communication and um, someone would be like, Hey, like, would you share in, would you share in small group? But no one ever said, Hey, let's like mentor, mentor you in this. You have a gift of communication. What could be done if you were mentored into this? Whereas guys that I know 
were called out from mm -hmm. a young age, given opportunity, mentored into it, right? Mm -hmm. And or if a, if a girl has a gift of communication that is underdeveloped, she don't, she doesn't have a gift of communication. Whereas sure. a guy who has you know an underdeveloped gift of communication, he just needs mentorship, That's, right? So there's oh, like wow. different wow. conversations mm -hmm. about it, right? Mm -hmm. So a girl has to automatically be better <laughs> to to get called out of the the herd to mm -hmm. get mentorship. And even if they do get mentorship, women mentors like they're there just isn't a lot of like a, sure. a, in senior leadership. There's a lot of amazing women in the church who can mentor and do these things, mm -hmm. but they also don't always know that they're wanted. They're wanted in mentorship, right? You have to like go and find them and seek them out. Sure. But you know, as far as senior leadership, there's not tons of these women, right? And so their time is of, of value. Whereas, you know, men in leadership, there's way more who can so, take guys aside. And it becomes systemic, aside. right? Because yeah. you're looking at all these male in, in leadership. Yeah. And as a, as a male who's in leadership, um, there's always this, like, fear of, of mentoring females. Yeah. Right? Because sure. there's, there's a... Uh, I don't know. We've painted it's automatic red flags that pop up of situational yeah. ideas that you're like, oh, but so you what if it's perceived this perceive way? Or that, that's, yeah. what, that's what the issue is, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. The, the issue isn't that I think that if Rachel and I were sitting and, and doing mentorship, that I'm going to have this moral failure or Rachel's going to tempt me to, to have a moral failure. Sure. But somebody walking by seeing Rachel hanging out of the building alone, all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. And like those, those mm -hmm. stuff. So, so that must create the systemic barrier. Absolutely. So sure. when I was 16, my youth pastor's not going to take me out alone for coffee. No. Right? But he would take I'd like, fire a guy out. Yeah. But he would take a guy out. And so sure. he automatically gets this mentorship. He automatically gets this individual mm -hmm. personalized pouring into that women sometimes miss out on, right? Sure. If you don't have a female youth pastor. Well, that's the definition of systemic. Right. So it's not, it's not this like, like, you know, devious, like big plan of men to oppress. It's just a systemic issue, sure. right? Yeah. And so we, it's not just about equal pay. That's a whole, whole other issue. It's about equal opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So if we, re we realize that like, hey, I'm taking these guys out for, for lunch and so I'm going to take a girl with me, you have to acknowledge that each time the girl's getting half the mentorship that the guy is because the guys are going to be able to go out on their own later. Right. So, but if you can take a girl out with you, with mm -hmm. another guy so that they get mentorship too, again, it's mm -hmm. not going to be a hundred percent, but at least it's something, at least mm -hmm. you're saying, Hey, I see value in you. Hey, I, you have something in you that is worth empowering. We have, you have these gifts and da da da. And then again, pick moments to call giftings out of young women. Mm -hmm. Hey, you have a gift of communication. Hey, you have a, I think you have a gift of prophecy. Why don't we develop that a little bit more? Hey, mm -hmm. I think you have mm -hmm. a gift of worship leading. Like these things that we just, maybe you feel uncomfortable calling, you know, young girls out. Maybe start empowering your women youth leaders to do that. Sure. For sure. But even at that, like, like, you know, like we kind of do the same thing even on staff. Like, oh, well, we've got females on staff. You can turn to one of them. But yeah. it's, it's still different than that voice totally right like like and, and i'm not putting me up on a pedestal as, as a as the lead pastor but oh, they're, they're, I'll, I'll help take you off the pedestal <laughs> they're they're still though like yeah like yeah going to to a pastor's wife mm -hmm. for mentorship right. versus going to the pastor yeah definitely carries sometimes especially in training up the next generation yeah mm -hmm. um carries a different weight Absolutely. right yeah um that that just like man it just it's falling short it's falling yeah. so how how do we though you know, and it's an interesting conversation, and, and I, I don't want to go down the rabbit trail too far, but it's an interesting conversation in today's 
culture where sexuality and gender actually is so fluid, mm -hmm. right? That that is it safe for a male youth pastor to take a male out one on one mm -hmm. anymore? Is that is why is that okay in today's culture than not taking out a female? Technically, but, the interpretation of most plan to protect policies, which would be your Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada policy, would be no. Mm -hmm. You should never be hanging out with somebody alone. Mm -hmm. That's it. You should always have a leader with you. You should always have somebody else that's there for accountability, regardless of gender, right? Mm -hmm. That's the pivot that they've gone to. It's it's difficult, right? Because I think also that's what you're... more authentic. Yeah. For sure. But what you're experiencing, though, is... Guys, I'm not going to count you and the old crew. Uh, it's just brownie points. Remember that for later. <laughs> uh, but but people, like, how long have you been in ministry for? 20 plus years. Yeah. So how long were you a youth pastor for where you could just grab a high school guy and take All him out for time. coffee? Dude, I'm telling you, man, even, as, even when I was a youth pastor less than 10 years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I could take a male student out for a coffee, for breakfast. We could hang out. We could hang out all day. We could go for a walk mm -hmm. together, just the two of us. We could be in my car, just the two of us together, and nobody would bat an eye at it. And it, yes, mm -hmm. hanging out with a female student was obviously really frowned upon, and I was graced with amazing women who were leaders, who were my friends, that were willing to take the ownership mm -hmm. of that. Even mm -hmm. though they weren't vocationally given to ministry, mm -hmm. they saw ministry as something that they were passionate about, mm -hmm. and they did. Um, but like... That's just normal for me. And I remember when there was a pivot. I was still youth pastoring as there was the pivot mm -hmm. in policies. And I was like, heck no. Are you yeah. kidding me? I'm still taking a guy's student. No, that's absolutely ridiculous. Right? That's, that's what we're experiencing with people who are in leadership. You're talking about the stat of women in leadership. We're also looking at people who are progressively older and older in lead pastoral roles. Right? Like the church is getting younger, but the leaders are actually getting older. And their mindsets have been in place for two, three, four decades of minister, this is just how it's been. So even if I can look at you and say, well, I affirm you as a leader, mm -hmm. an opportunity leader, or or even, yeah, I would say I value women in ministry. I'm not opposed to it, mm -hmm. but I've been doing ministry for four decades and I'm mm -hmm. not changing now. Mm -hmm. And it's not even like a malicious statement. It's just a, uh, it's the same thing that happened to us when we were like, this is seriously an issue still? Mm -hmm. Yeah, This is actually a thing? Like for them, it's like, oh, I didn't even realize that I was doing that, right? But mm -hmm. it's you're just so ingrained in your ways, and it takes that intentionality mm -hmm. to kind of push beyond that, which is I don't it's necessarily difficult. think we're getting better, though. I think it's just different. Like, sure. I don't like because why have the statistics not changed all that much, right? Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. I don't think we. I think culture is changing. I think that the church is sometimes a little bit behind as far as no, these kinds of things go. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, I don't necessarily think we're getting better. It's just I think we we come up with that statement, which is great. But why did we have to come up with that statement? Sure. Okay. So let me you pose know, a, like <laughs> let me pose a question to the couches. This is always is how it starts. I start poking holes. Let me just say I love where this conversation's gone. Um, but a question that is in a response that I've actually experienced with somebody that I've not perpetuated, but somebody else has talked to me about would mm -hmm. say that we know that, that quality leadership that builds culture is based in what? It's consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Craig Rochelle would say good leaders do sometimes what great leaders do always. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody was to look at somebody who is a woman in ministry and their response was to say, would you like a family? Mm -hmm. And is that going to take you away from ministry mm -hmm. more so than your husband? Mm -hmm. Right. How would how how do we respond to them in that? Yeah, you're gonna get taken out of the game for a year or for two years or why? Maybe, maybe not that long, but like that is a cultural yeah. like stigmatism that we deal with, right? Yeah, absolutely. But then my question would be like, why do I have to be out of the game for a year? Sure. Why? Like I think that's an assumption, right? Mm -hmm. Like 
yeah, women have to do the hard work. I I work in labor and delivery. Trust me. I know it's hard work (laughs) to to deliver a baby. No, I'm good. But you're like, why is it that women have to be the ones to step back? I've always said, Mm -hmm. I want a Bible in one hand, a baby on the hip on the other. Like, why do I have to get taken out of the the ministry for a year? And I Mm -hmm. think it comes back to, okay, let's talk about family role then. Let's talk about gender Mm -hmm. roles in family. Like, why is it it that the women have to be taken out of the game? If anything, I think being a mom could empower you for ministry even more that you're like, wow, you're raising up, the, mm-hmm. you get to be a part of raising the next generation. And, and you know, as far as like being a dad, mm-hmm. why is it less your role to, you know, in that mm-hmm. first year of like taking care of a newborn and that Let kind of stuff? Let me say, pat leave scares the junk out of me, but I but, respect but, it. So, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. But you're like, why is it that there's this expectation is it, you're mm-hmm. not a good enough mom if you don't take that year? Why sure. would, why why would you ever think about going back to work before a year? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's an amazing opportunity that in Canada, we have the opportunity to take the year or 18 months or whatever. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but why is it that that is like, Hey, a step out of ministry. Cause let's, we can talk about what is ministry then is sure. ministry preaching on a platform is ministry worship leading in front of people on camera. Cause I think an amazing part of ministry is raising your kids. I think that it's just as valuable. And legally in Canada, mm-hmm. If, if you did come and say, hey, you know what, uh, Sarah's had a baby, never, was it, five, six? I, no, seven. no, no, words have power. Don't, right. don't <laughs> take that out. I'm not interested. Right. right? But if Sarah, you you legally have every right yep. to say Sarah's going back to the bank and mm-hmm. and I'm taking the next yep. And we have people who, who serve on our teams and are part of our movement fam who have done that, right? Yeah. Where they've actually said, you know what, actually, as the dad, I'm going to take a year of my life and just focus completely on raising uh, our, our child, mm-hmm. right, and spending that quality time with them, which I think is valuable. I think being yeah. able to spend that year, one parent being oh, intentional, and here we go. It's, yeah. it's a huge gift that we yeah. have in Canada. And and I'm going to bless my wife that when she's healed and recovered, she's going to go back out and she's going to work because she actually makes more money than I do or she's <laughs> more passionate about yeah. her work. Than, or I'm more flexible when it comes yeah. to it. I can actually work from home or I can work on weekends and all mm-hmm. that kind of jazz and still push forward my career and she maybe doesn't have that same opportunity, right? Yeah. There's, there's so many different layers to it. I mean, when we're like, we have to find that solid foundation, right? We're not deconstructing ministry yeah. as a whole and saying, yeah. right. We're saying vocational ministry as it stands, where you're leading and influencing people, mm-hmm. there is communicating involved, right? Because that's what we want. Yeah. We don't want women to be like, well, you're uh, you're a counselor here, yeah. but you're not actually <laughs> impacting the vision of the church. Yeah. We want women to be impacting the vision Absolutely. of our churches. We want them Absolutely. to be in senior leadership positions. So that senior leadership position comes with a certain level of, office hours and, yeah. and, and speaking engagements and communicating and podcasting yeah. and things that you wouldn't be able to do with a child in your arms. Yeah. So, but, but I think we're coming to a place culturally yeah. where the church is able to now start reflecting that and saying, yeah. well, it's actually okay. Paternity leave is not a bad word yeah. anymore, right? It scares me so I for sure, to, but I it's not wanna, a bad word. I want to challenge this a bit because I think we expect women and men to be the same kind of leaders. And that's, that's the beautiful part mm. of mixed, you know, genders in, in leadership is that I'm not going to be the same leader as you. Sure. And that me as a woman who's going to, is going to bring different things to the table as you as a man. Mm -hmm. And so whether I take Matt leave in my future or not, is kind of irrelevant because I'm going to bring different things to the table. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what do we think is training for ministry is, Mm -hmm. is working on PCO all the time. Is that, is that going to be, make me a better leader? Probably not. It will be raising these little, you know, crazy tyrants, like, (laughs) like impacting your, your, you don't have kids yet. You don't know. I know. I, Oh, the stories. I I know. Trust me. Um, but you're like, <laughs> but you're like, what is training for ministry? 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and what are the things that we value in a leader? Mm-hmm. Because if the things that we value in a leader are integrity, generosity, kindness, those kinds of things that you're mm-hmm. like, you can get those trained in, in different places. Mm-hmm. Right. 100%. And so we are, men and women aren't going to function the same on a leadership team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring things differently than you bring to the table. And, and having this equality in leadership doesn't mean that I'm going to look the same as you, or mm-hmm. I'm going to do, do these different things. It's saying I bring something different to the table. That's equally as valuable sure. as, wow. as what you bring to the table yeah. right and so to, to think that hey women have a different life therefore you know it's not as valuable that's what that's what's being said right it's mm-hmm. like hey you do things differently it's not as valuable it's like well what if that's a good thing <laughs> mm-hmm. because again 66 percent of the congregation is women and yep, so they're looking 100%. at you and if they're thinking that this is the only way and they can't do that then they're going to feel like a failure right because mm-hmm. how many how many moms at home do i talk to that are like hey i'm not serving in ministry in xyz in these ways i feel like a failure because i'm not serving the church yo you're serving the church raising those kids you're serving the church you know talking to your kids about jesus and having mm-hmm. those those different play dates and those that is serving the church and so i think we we have this totally skewed perception of what it means to be a minister of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that starts with how our language around, you know, women around leadership, around ministry training. Cause to be honest, you know, this is a hot take, but Bible school, I went to masters. I went to all these kind of things. It didn't, I, I love the theological, theological training. I, I sure. learned amazing things there, but you know what actually I felt trained me the best for ministry was nursing school. Sure. It really mm. did. I learned how to care for people in dark moments. I learned how to have those difficult conversations about dying and, and grief and loss. I learned that in nursing school. I learned, mm. you know, I learned how to have, you know, conversations with people who, who believe different things in me, those kinds of mm. things. I learned that in a different place, right? Mm-hmm. And so when people come from these different contexts, they bring these different valuable things. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't get theological training if sure. you're becoming a minister. Sure. That has also very much helped me in it's ministry. Good cover. Good cover. For nice. sure, like for that, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying that when people come from different contexts, when they have different viewpoints, they can reach different people. Mm-hmm. Right. 100%. And so when we, when we say that, Hey, you, you come from this context, you were a mom for 25 years. So you kind of, you're going to have a harder time getting into senior leadership. Sure. I think we do a disservice to these women who have this amazing wisdom to offer, mm-hmm. but they don't know that they can have a seat at the table. Sure. And so when I sat in that credential meeting, they said, you know, do you, um, we just, we, we want representation of women in ministry, but where are they? And I said, Right like, here, present. Like, I'm one. And they're, yeah. they're like, but I was like, you know, I grew up thinking I didn't, I didn't know that I could have a seat mm-hmm. at the table, yeah. and so right now, women need to be invited to the table because otherwise they'll be called bossy. They'll be called pushy. You know, you're putting yourself where you don't belong instead of someone pulling out the chair and say, have a seat at the table. We want to hear your opinion. So that's a great question to the, the, the couch because you know, you, you hear this and and this is, this is just culturally, but you're like, Oh yeah. You know, every woman preacher is just a bossy person, pro feminism, you know, women empowerment. That's a nice way of putting it. Right. Like, 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 Right, like there, there. You hear that all the time. I have time. been called venomous before. Okay, wow. so walk me, walk me through so that. A what do we? Yeah. Why is that there? And, yeah. and what's? So a strong leader who is a woman is uh, bossy. A strong guy who's a leader is uh, authoritative and a strong leader. Yes. And so again, language matters, right? Even from when we raise up our kids. You know, when I was exhibiting leadership skills when I was a kid. 
I, I now let's be, let's, well, actually, I was kind of a timid kid. I was very shy as a kid, but my sister, okay. So my sister was a very, very strong leader as a kid was often called bossy, but it, it, you know, I had really wonderful parents that developed that in her, but you know, you had these other kids who were just called bossy and they were diminished in those skills. Right. And so I think language is really important when we talk about women in leadership. So for mm-hmm. example, you know, I, you know, was dealing with, you know, somebody in the congregation and, and, um, I was just very, you know, direct and to the point. I didn't pull any punches, these kind of things. And, you know, they went off and called me venomous. They called me all these things. And I was like, I'm, I'm really confused. Hey. Like, I, I, I don't think that was like a venomous conversation. And so I actually like followed up with them. I was like, you know, why did you call me venomous? I feel like I didn't, I, I don't really think I called you out that hard. And, and they're like, oh, I don't know. You just were. And I was like, well, that's, first of all, a really great explanation of that. <laughs> but, um, but for some reason, when women are strong leaders who say something without a smile, then sure. we're all of a sudden like bossy or venomous. Well, or... I'm glad you brought that up. We actually have a caller. And <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like for, we're, we're always meant to be these soft, like nurturing. Sure, like, effeminate feminine and mm-hmm. I was like why is it that I can't be both feminine and strong like mm-hmm. I, I'm a girl who loves pink I think half my closet is pink like why can't I just wear dresses and still be strong why can't yeah. I do those things why can't why does it have to be one or the other yeah. and so I actually make a point when I'm worship leading or preaching I wear the girliest thing I can <laughs> because I was like I want people to associate those things that you can wear dress sure. and frilly things and flowers and still be strong and powerful and we even need to have a conversation about that actually yeah that's good <laughs> no but it, no but it's but it's important right John because likes to wear frilly it, things too. I, yeah, I do I wore pants one time on the couches and I never have worn those pants again. <laughs> but to be masculine is to be a strong leader and to be feminine yes. is to be a weak leader. This, this happened to us last night. Sarah and I are sitting on the couch. We're watching TV and some shows that Sarah and I watch, we get a little a little passionate about and we moved our TV down to the basement so now we can shout at the TV if we want to <laughs> and our kids don't hear us. You're concerned for me now, but it's fine. Well, I'm like, I only watch Christian TV. Oh, pure oh, yes, Shout yes, out, let's TV. go. Yeah, he only has a subscription Fireproof. to yes, Come on, TV, somebody. Hey, oh, The Chosen, shout out. <laughs> Anyways, and so um, we're watching this show. It's this crime drama. And uh, this this woman in the show is looking at this guy. And she's like, don't you forget, you work for me. And I was like, <laughs> get over yourself. Like, are you kidding me? Like, she comes across as so needy when she just gets all riled up and stuff like that. And, and oh, whatever. Moving on. And then literally like 20 minutes later on in the show. I'm not saying it was a good reaction. I'm saying it's the reaction. Hey, you're honest. 20 minutes later in the show... This, this male character kind of says basically the same thing. It's like, don't you forget, this is my town. And Sarah's on the other side of the couch. is like, compensating. And, and we're like, what are you, what, really? I thought that was a power move. And she's like, yeah. And you thought the girl 20 minutes ago was like needy. Get over yourself. I'm like, huh, interesting how just subconsciously we mm-hmm. perceive these things and we just use even yeah. vernacular that would actually perpetuate yeah. systematic I'm not going to say oppression, but marginalization for sure. Yeah. Right? So, for, for example, how many conversations based on your career has it been brought up about you having kids? Sure. Yeah. Actually, it's, it's usually a bonus. It's right? It's like, oh, you're actually right? going to learn some like, life stuff. It's yeah. a bonus if you're married and have kids, but for me, it's a liability. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right? Like, every conversation wow. I've had about my career that has been brought up, even on the couches, it mm-hmm. was brought up, right? And whereas with guys, you guys, you know, and I, I'm, this is a gross generalization, but it's just, it's just not brought up as much. And why mm-hmm. is that? And why is it me having kids and getting married one day? Like, it's not yet, but you're like, it, why is that a liability for me? 
Yeah, I understand. You know, why? I, th- I think it, we're still dealing with those uh, perpetuated, like, socio kind of, like, how am I trying to say this? But like gender roles inside of the home, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm a perpetuator of that because my wife stayed at home yeah. with all of or, our three kids, right? For example, so. like one of the one of the examples I I gave to Jeff was one day I was preaching, um, and I was like, wow, like I really feel like God spoke spoke through me through this sermon. And some woman came up to me after and I was like, wow, she's gonna tell me how like deeply impacted <laughs> she was Uh-oh. and like how God moved in her life. And she's like, How old are you? And I was 23 at the time, and she was like, 23A, eh? and you're not married, your time's click like ticking. And I was like, Are you kidding me? I like, think. that's what you got from this afternoon? Like, Rah. oh, come on. Rah. And so you're like, you're constantly dealing with those questions, right? And it's it's unfortunate that that's a reality and that stuff like it's been going on since the dawn of time but it's just it's something to be aware of that mm-hmm. this this yeah. is a conversation that's being had quite often with young women or even just like okay we can go back to like purity culture stuff like that like having to think to the nth degree about what you wear so you don't come off a certain way sure. right like one time i i was leading worship and i had like a shirt that was covering my shoulders to here <gasps> I know, heaven forbid. Some I, I showed I my know arm. Were a big deal. But well, someone came up to huge. me and they're like, "You should really have your shoulders covered because you're gonna mm-hmm. pe- make people stumble." And they were like, completely serious. And I was like, <laughs> "Jeff's not a shoulder guy." I guess <laughs> but you're like, but you're like, okay, that's another thing I have to think about. Okay, so I'm gonna make sure that I have a turtleneck on down to my toes. Like it'll be like it'll be good to go. But the, again, these are just extra conversations that a woman in ministry has to have, right? And we mm-hmm. don't think about them as extra conversations because they just kind of come as part the package now or even like a story I was sharing is like you know you have these like timeouts or these amazing retreats that you get to go on and you know a a great time these are leadership 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 conferences yeah and you get these amazing times to like talk about church strategy like what's God doing in your church you know what what kind of things could we implement in our church and I love church strategy conversations they're like my favorite conversations and they often happen in like kind of personal conversations, right? Like, hey, what's happening in your church? And I really wanted to be a part of a conversation, particularly with these couple people. And it was a bunch of guys, and then they went straight to the hot tub. And they're talking church strategy. And Jeez. I was like, well, I can't go there now. And mm-hmm. I knew that that's where they were talking about. Or I could, so, but it's going to be awkward. Well, well, and the, that, imagine yeah. the conversations sure. that hey, would be boys, had about, hey, like Rachel's in the hot tub with all these guy leaders. Like, yeah. It wouldn't go well for me, but sure. I so desperately wanted to be a part of those conversations, mm. but I couldn't. And mm. how many times have I talked to other leaders, other women leaders that, you know, they went to different church leadership conferences and the guys went out golfing, talked church strategy, and the girls went out to something else and they talked about, you know, whatever, but they weren't a part of those church strategy conversations because mm. majority of the men were the ones in the church leadership positions, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you're like, again, they they missed out on those opportunities. Just to be clear, I don't golf, so I wouldn't be in those, those <laughs> conversations. You too. literally oh, yeah. just <laughs> preached a message where you told a story about you golfing yeah where i said i bought my team to win but but for you to join that conversation wouldn't be weird for me to join that conversation and be like what definitely if i was sitting in the hot tub with a bunch of guys and you just popped in there would be that like oh like like what is this is weird like and not not because i'm sexist it would be like real world scenario just be like oh yeah you know, or or if it was just me and you, and then you popped in, it'd be yeah. like, oh, this. And am I saying it was wrong maybe, for those guys to go in the hot tub? Absolutely no. not. Like, no. do they you? They just weren't like, cognizant of that's going to make her feel really left out. That's going to make it feel difficult. Well, for and her. how awkward would be for them? Even, they're like, hey, Rachel, do you want to come hang on the hot tub with us? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the wing like, there would be if nobody goes in the hot tub, anyways. Wait, and wait, it's wait. not it's not like a fault of theirs or anything like that. It's just having having it in your head. Mm-hmm. Hey. 
when the opportunity arises, we're mm-hmm. going to bring our, put our arms around our female leaders and bring them into these conversations because you know what? They probably have some pretty valuable things to say for mm-hmm. 66% of your church population. Well, I was going to say there, there's something, you know, like this is another question that you get. Well, men are like, I just can't learn from a woman, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I, I, I hear that, right? Like, oh, I just couldn't, man, it's just unnatural. I just could, I couldn't, I couldn't learn from a woman. I don't mind Mother's Day. I don't mind the, the sure. ones, but I couldn't learn from a woman. But then to take your stats, like, okay, so flip that. Yeah. How many of our women are stuck mm-hmm. in this spot where they don't hear someone that, reflects their voice. So here's another thing. 66% of church growth is in kids' men. And what are those What are those run by? Mostly women. Sure. 100%. So you want to talk about church growth, you got to talk to the women in your church. Mm-hmm. Because if you get the mom, you usually get the whole family. Right. Is that is that another barrier that we're perceiving? That like we should actually have more men in kids' ministry as well? Could like be. Is that a barrier to men? That's Could be. Because like- like, it's funny because it's never a conversation whether or not women can be in kids' ministry. So we're, sure. we, let them, we let them teach the children the most valuable of society, the, the most valued people in the eyes of Jesus. Yeah. But not the women and men. You're like, it doesn't really make sense. Like, yeah. I think that as I think as soon as they turn youth, they need the hand of a honest, man. Literally, as soon as they reach puberty, they that's need right. the the counsel of a man. Okay, so let's talk about that because I think that that's this is this is one of the I think the biggest hardest struggles of of empowering women. And you've hinted at it, right? You joining the hot tub. Like, is, yeah. is that would that be appropriate for no. you as a female to <laughs> jump into the hot tub with with a bunch of dudes? Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about like, we would expect our youth pastor not to be alone in a car with a female, yeah. right? Um, what do we do in that scenario? Like how, how do we, how do we combat this? Like, yeah. like how do we look at going, okay, how do we deal with the purity culture? Which I, I think a lot of our purity culture has actually been distorted and ruined. Yeah. We've taught girls. I mean, sure. I, I, I can tell you, I've been guilty of, you know, teaching, you know, girls dress appropriately. You don't want to cause don't a man cause to, stumble, guys to stumble. Right? There it is. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I passed in the yeah. late nineties. Right. That's so I'm, I'm guilty. Um, Proud of you for admitting the late nineties. That's right. Wow. Right. But also part, I kissed dating goodbye and then had to repent. after oh. that too. <laughs> um, but that's another story. Uh, but, but, what what do we do? Like yeah. so so walk through because I do think that there there is beautiful giftings mm-hmm. of a male and a female. I do think that there is struggles, and so I want I want to put out first. I don't think every girl's goal is to tempt a guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think every no. guy is tempted by a girl. Nope. Like in the sense of like just because they're naturally together, that all of a sudden it's like oh it's going to go sexual because sure. guy and yeah. girl can't be friends, right? Yeah. Like give me a break. Sex that was... is not always a primary motivator. Mm-hmm. No, sure. right? So so I I I, I want to put that out there that I don't think yeah. that's the issue. Um, I do think we live in a culture of gossip. I, I just the other day was at my trailer helping one of my friends. Uh, her husband wasn't there yet, and I went and lit her pilot light. And a senior citizen saw me coming from behind her trailer. She's like, "You're not her husband. Why are you there?" I'm mm. like, "Her husband's my best friend, and her pilot light wasn't on." I'm. Why are we even having this conversation? Like, sure. if it's that much gossipy, like you're the issue, not not me. Yeah. You should have let her let her own pilot light and well, I, stayed 50 meters away from exactly. her trailer all the time. <laughs> how dare I help on? But but so how do you? But what do we yeah. do? Like, yeah. like, I think that's where I'm kind of yeah. at, like, because, because, like, yeah, I would be guilty of sitting in the hot tub and not even, not even calculating that Rachel's over on the side and mm-hmm. missing out on this conversation and wanting to be in this conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I wouldn't even calculate that as a, as a thought process. Yeah. So, okay, there's two things I want to speak to. I just want to quickly touch on purity culture because that's something super relevant right now. Um, I do believe that purity is important. I believe that modesty is important. For sure. 
I think how we teach it needs to be different that I want to be modest for my holiness, not for your holiness, right? Mm. That I have a responsibility to myself and my relationship with God to take care of myself, to take care of my body and to be modest. That is my responsibility, right? Whereas I think, you know, what I was taught in church growing up is that I do that for your holiness and I do that for all the guys' mm-hmm. holiness around me and that I'm responsible for their decisions, right? right? So I think we need to we need to be careful about how we teach that to 100%. young people, right? Um, I taught and, it wrong. I'm, I'm <laughs> it out there. You were a youth no, from, from my I, first youth group. You read, I failed you. No, Every but I think that was, the general, that was the general teaching, right? Mm-hmm. For, for a long time. And I think that then bleeds into adulthood, right? Yeah. And so it bleeds into leadership, right? And that it's like, I'm responsible responsible for, I am personally responsible for all the guys around me and how they think about me and all these kinds of things. But then we can also not neglect the, the, the huge issue of, you know, sexual immorality in the church either, right? Like uh, you look at the statistics, like um, particularly pornography amongst church leadership is a higher percentage than a general population. So you're like, you can't ignore those statistics, Mm -hmm. right? So I think we need to have conversations about sexual immorality within the church. We need to put barriers in place, but we can't put the onus and responsibility 100% on women. It has to be on men as well. So I think that's a, a separate conversation that we can't just be like, it's not a problem. It for sure is a problem. Good rabbit trail. But it's it's mutual responsibility. I have mm-hmm. responsibility to myself. You have responsibility to yourself for your holiness and a discussion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as far as like what to do, I think that there needs to be opportunities for women to be have a seat at the table. If we're having a conversation about church strategy, those kinds of things, they, there needs to be an opportunity for women to be a part of those things. So for example, you're not going to be always able to mitigate those things. If people want to go in the hot tub, go in the hot tub. Like hot tubs are great. Like talk about those things if you want to, but just be aware that there's going to be women around that want to have those conversations. So maybe like bring this conversation out of the hot tub and, and bring some like Those really poor guys that went to the hot tub. We're calling <laughs> Seriously, you guys getting raked You're all the getting cold. an email. No, but it's just, it's having that awareness that, Hey, other people would want to be a part of this conversation and not even like we're doing you a favor by bringing you into the conversation. Sure. Hey, we could benefit from having you mm-hmm. in the conversation. Mm-hmm. We could benefit from having a different perspective because to be honest, most of the time it's just a, fr- Hey, you're doing this. Me too. Great job. Patting each other on the back when really, cause you're just all doing pretty much everyone's doing the same thing sometimes and really just neglecting the different perspectives right sure. and, and we, we like we are all willing to admit that the church in 2021 needs fresh ideas needs sure. new growth opportunities and strategies right it's like we're not like we're killing it we actually don't need any any other voices we don't need any yeah. new ideas or fresh yeah. fresh thoughts it's like no no like guys come on there's value to new voices coming to the table Absolutely. and actually bringing ideas and i, th- I think it's Allow, letting women know that their vo- their voices are wanting to be heard, yeah. right? Because that's part of it is that like, I didn't give my opinion for a very long co- time because I didn't think anyone wanted to hear it. I was sure. like, why would you ever want my opinion? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I just come from this background or whatever until people started to tell me, t- tell me that they valued my opinion. They wanted to know my input. And so that's part of it is giving women the opportunity, amplifying their voices, putting, mm-hmm. giving them a seat at the table rather than just waiting for them to volunteer. Because so how do you do that? Let me yeah. ask this. How do you do that, though, without going to the the typical pigeonhole? Like, we've got, like, what, five that I could name off the top of my head, female leaders, senior leaders in in, in our sphere of influence, you know? Uh, so does that not become frustrating? Like, okay, I want a female voice. Let me go to Patty Miller, because she's the only one that we all we all know, right? Or yeah. or we're going to bring you in. It's like, oh, this is, this is I'm pigeonholed into talking about this. Yeah, I'd say... Um broaden the pool. But how do we do that if they're not there? 
they some of them are there that they just aren't being picked really mm. is i think it's asking those female leaders hey what's your pool of female leaders getting different pools operating outside of your own like even district at times and be like hey where are these pools and then I'd say start having conversations amongst youth pastors about, hey, how are you empowering your female leaders? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Then I'm like, okay, let's have a conversation about this. And how do you empower your female leaders? One, you call out their giftings, like call them out, Um, give them opportunities to go to different conferences or whatever. So if you can't bring them to a conference, send them to a conference. Really, mm-hmm. because, you know, growing up, like different youth pastors would take, say they were a key speaker at a conference, they would bring up, they would bring one of their students with them. So if you can't do that as a girl, because it's inappropriate, I'm not saying, you know, take girls with you. I'm saying if you can't bring them, send them, send them to a different conference. You know, I think that we need to be creating equal opportunities for these girls to know that, hey, your, val- your voices are valuable. And we, we believe in um, building you up and empowering you into leaders. Because to be honest, it took me until I was 23 to even know that I could be, you yeah. know. And th- I was someone who was raised in a church, always held some sort of church leadership position, whether it was a youth leader or a worship leader, always, always, since I was 13 years old. And it was never, ever called out in me, ever. It, the Lord himself had to call it out in me. Like, like literally, right? Whereas like that wasn't the case for like everybody around me. Like I saw time and time again, young men picked out of the crowd. You're called to be a preacher. You're called to be a pastor. You're called to da da da. And I, I know I have that calling on my life. And yeah. I'm not saying I'm like bitter or whatever, that no one called me out, but I never saw a girl around me called out when I was in youth group. Sure. So you're yeah. like, so you're like, there's a problem here. And part of it is it's mostly just, you know, men leadership calling out what they what they recognize right and but it's going to look sometimes different in females Mm -hmm. it is right and so we need to empower the females we have in leadership now hey who are you bringing alongside with you who are you empowering right because there are female strong females females in leadership and then also the females that aren't in formal vocational ministry Hey, you are a mom of four. You are so strong. You have so much wisdom. What young women are you bringing alongside you? Because mm-hmm. to say that, you know, being a mom is a less valuable role than being an executive pastor, I think is a disservice to women everywhere. I think that is a hugely valuable role in the church. And and I, I think that they could be mentoring people as well. Mm-hmm. And they could be calling, hey, I think you're called to be a preacher. I think you're called to be a worship leader. But are we empowering the women in our church to do those things? You know, yeah. I don't know. So we've got to come to close. We've pause. We keep breaking that on the couches is like oh. kept getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> so uh, there's there's two there's two last final thoughts yeah. I want to give you the floor for. One is um, I'm the senior leader here. I want to hear from you. What 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 do you want to say to me as a senior leader of Movement Church to help us be in a an environment that's really empowering? Yeah, I think. A, the first thing would be invite women to the table and in all conversations, church strategy, um, outreach events, all those kinds of things. Cause again, 66% of your church is going to be women. And if we're just looking at through the men, the male eyes of strategy, we're only going to, going to get a certain percentage. Right. Um, so I think invite women to the table, empower the women that are in your church and you're doing that. I like, I love to see that there's women on your staff and women on the board. Um, and, and continue to speak openly about this. To, and, until it's preached from the pulpit, sometimes women don't know that they want to be, 
that their val that their input is valued. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important that we say it. And that's why the PAOC came out with that statement, not because it was a new statement that it has been around forever, but because there were some problems that were arising and they needed to say it. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we assume that women know that they're, that they're valued. Women know that, that they are empowered to preach and empowered to go for the mission of the gospel. But sometimes we need to say it. And I wish it wasn't the case, but we do, because unless you say it, people assume the, the otherwise, right? Um, so that's what I would say is continue to say it, continue to, and not just on Mother's Day, not just on Valentine's okay. Day, but like, like very regularly talk about women in ministry, talk about women in the church, not just in vocational ministry, because I think there are probably some, some women who are on the sidelines that are dying, that are, are that feel this calling like I felt, but they they don't feel like there's a seat at them for the table. And so maybe where there's an opportunity, pull out the chair for them and have them sit down. All right, the last thing from you that I want is just look there in the camera and talk to some of our women that are struggling. Encourage them, tell them, tell yeah. them what you want them to hear. I would just tell you that you are called, no matter what you have come from, no matter whether you grew up in the church, you didn't grow up in the church, if you believe in Jesus Christ and he's your savior and you're following after him, that you have been commissioned. I often say it was a great commission, not the great suggestion, that we were commissioned to go and preach, to baptize, to go and tell everybody about the message of Jesus. So if you are a follower of Christ, you have been called. You don't have to wait for someone to pick you out of a crowd. You don't have to wait for someone to lay hands on you and have the literal voice of God tell you that you're called to be a preacher you have already been called so if you feel this tugging in your heart for ministry go after it you contact me anytime i would love to empower you give you resources opportunities contact pastor jeff um, and he'll give you resources as well um, you are valuable your input is valuable if you're a mom and you're watching this and you feel you just feel defeated and you feel like, hey, I've been out of the game too long, do you know that you probably have the best training of all to be in the game? You talk about patience, talk about wisdom, and all these things that you have been that God has been imp imparting to you during this time of, of of you know raising up these little kids. You have so much wisdom to offer the church. So do not count yourself out because God has not counted you out. I think that's awesome. Listen, I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. Um, I really hope that if you're a male watching this, you've had a bit of a wake-up call, right? I hope that you maybe have seen inside yourself where you convinced yourself it was all good, but realized maybe I have been part of just that systemic issue of, of just creating this divide and that you would commit yourself to changing. You'd commit that, that you're going to lead different. I know I'm trying to, I know I'm a dad of two girls and, and that has really birthed a lot of these conversations. I've got an 11 year old who would be called strong, would be <laughs> or bossy. Right. Um, yeah, right? Point, like, yeah, sure. um, and I'm like, I don't want to squash that. I, I want to fan that into flame because there's a huge call on her life. Um, and so I want to change. I want to do better. And I want to say, again, affirming, we we believe in your calling. If you're a female, we want to let you know there is room for you at our table. We believe here at Movement Church that you have a call of God and a gift of God, and we want to see that fan into flame. And we're learning how to do that better. Thanks so much for being with us. Again, if you would do us a favor, would you share this? This this word, as Rachel said, we got to get this out that people know that there's a place uh, specifically for them. So would you please share this? Let others know. Uh, that we're wrestling through this and we're trying to learn and trying to be better. Having an awesome day and thanks for checking us out.